Hello there, and welcome to the 33rd episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. So in this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Blue Jays' interest in some international free agents and how they might be able to acquire at least one of them this offseason. So let's get into it. All right, so the offseason has been underway for about a month and a half now. And really, we still haven't had any significant signings yet. And especially with the Blue Jays, they haven't signed anyone aside from bringing back Robbie Ray. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of the players in free agency right now just want far too much than what most teams are willing to offer, which is why the Blue Jays are kind of waiting out the market hoping for it to calm down a bit and then make their move. Now, specifically with the international market, the Blue Jays will probably make some news in the next few weeks, few weeks or so, because the clock on those players are ticking because with players like Hasun Kim, or Hasun Kim, I'm gonna warn everyone right now, pronunciations aren't really the best thing best quality of mine so I may butcher these names in this episode but I'm gonna do my best to to pronounce them correctly Um, but with Kim he was posted by the KBO earlier this month and for any international free agent you only have 30 days to negotiate a contract with them before they become ineligible to make the leap over to Major League Baseball. So, for Kim, he needs to sign a deal before the new year, or shortly after the new year. And so for Toronto, because they've had ex- they have expressed some interest in him, they'll probably be looking to have a sit down or a Zoom call with him in the near future. And it seems as though as well that one of the Blue Jays pitchers has already started to do some recruiting for them, <clears throat> which is very interesting to say the least because Hunjin Ryu, who for those of you who don't know, played in the KBO before coming over to the major leagues. He sat down with Kim last week and, uh, and had some dinner, discussed, discussed real life stuff, but also, Kim asked Ryu for some advice about coming over to the major leagues. And it's interesting on a number of reasons because obviously with Ryu being one of the most respected players to ever play in the KBO, obviously Kim is going to want to poke his brain and get his opinion on what he should do as he's looking to make that leap as well. But also... There's no question Ryu is at least telling Kim about what it's like to play for the Blue Jays. Now, even though Ryu didn't exactly get the full Toronto experience because the Blue Jays played in Buffalo last season, what Ryu can tell Kim is how the Blue Jays operate in the front office. And he can explain to... Ryu can explain to him how they're a first-class organization. And hopefully, 
that garners his interest about potentially joining the Blue Jays because Kim would be a significant upgrade and a significant addition to the Blue Jays because he's easily one of the top hitters to come out of the KBO. He is a crazy quick infielder, versatile, can play third, second, short. I wouldn't even be shocked to see him play a corner outfield spot moving forward. He actually came into his power a little bit as well this past season. He turned some of his doubles into home runs, which is extremely impressive. And he doesn't strike out a lot and he gets a ton of walks. And for the Blue Jays, with them focusing their attention on versatility, Kim is an easy target. He fits their profile to the T. And considering they already have a similar player in him in Kevin Biggio, who, similar to Kim, can play every position, essentially. Great uh, on-base guy, walks a lot, doesn't strike out much. Quietly productive power hitter, can steal a decent amount of, uh, of bases as well. So they are very similar profiles, but adding another Cab Miggio to the team, if you want to look at it like that, would be huge for the Blue Jays because if you think about it positionally, let's say the Blue Jays don't some, sign someone like Colton Wong and they stick with Kevin Biggio at second base. Well, if they were to sign Kim, he would be able to essentially platoon with Kevin Biggio as the super utility players. Because they'd both would be bouncing around from every position all over the diamond, except for probably first base, pitcher and catcher and center field. But who knows? Maybe there as well. Um, especially if the Blue Jays don't sign a third baseman. If they don't go out and sign someone like Justin Turner or pull off a massive deal and get Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado, the Blue Jays will need a third baseman. And Kim could be that guy. Mainly because he spent the majority of the 2020 campaign on the left side of the infield. So he knows that side very well. He can play a good third base a reliable shortstop, commits a few errors here and here and there. He had 14 in 2020, so it would be ideal if he could cut down on those moving forward, but you don't really have to worry about his defense. He's going to provide you above average defense in the infield, at least on the, on the left side of the infield. He hasn't played second base since 2014, but he's capable of it if the Blue Jays wanted to move him over there. So... If the Blue Jays were to say start Kim out at third base, then on days where, say, he doesn't match up well because he is a, uh, a right-handed hitter, then the Blue Jays could put Kevin Biggio at third base or they could potentially bring in a left-handed infielder in free agency and put him at, sh at second base, put Biggio at third and have two lefties in the lineup rather than having Kim there and Biggio at second. So basically what I'm trying to get at here is if the Blue Jays were to sign Kim, they would become a, so much better 
versatile team. And that's exactly what they want to move towards. And it helps that Kim was one of the best hitters in the KBO last year. Digging into his statistics from this past season, over his 622 plate appearances, Kim produced a career high 30 home runs, 109 RBIs. He had a career best 218 ISO, a 304 BAP, a 411 WOBA. He generated a 144 weighted runs created plus score, posted a 12.1% walk rate compared to a 10.9% strikeout rate, so he walked more than he struck out. Also had 24 doubles, and he had an OPS of 921, an average of 306, and on base of 397, and a career best 523 slugging. And to top things off, Kim had 23 stolen bases, which were down from his career high 33 in 2019, but it still shows that Kim was able to uh, be a factor on the bases. And uh, even though the analytics have proven that stealing bases aren't really worth it anymore because it's just too risky, especially when you have the middle of your order coming up. So say they've positioned Kim at the bottom of the order. He gets on in front of Biggio, Bichette, Vladdy, Guriel, whoever else is in the middle of the order, the Blue Jays lineup. They don't necessarily want him to steal bases, especially if there's more than one out. You know, if if he gets on with two outs, you don't want him stealing at all. Even though he does have incredible speed on the bases, you just don't want him taking that risk and taking away a potential uh, run producing at bat from one of the best hitters in your lineup. That being said, Kim's speed can definitely help him uh, defensively because not only does it help his range at shortstop, even though he probably wouldn't play a whole lot there with the Blue Jays, it could help him gain some opportunities in the outfield because similar to Kevin Biggio, the Blue Jays may be open to moving him or at least trying him out in left field, right field, maybe not center field in his first season coming over from Korea, but if the Blue Jays were in a pinch and they wanted to keep him in the lineup, they could try him out in center field and see what happens. You know, he hasn't ever played in the outfield throughout his uh, professional career, but again, with that speed factor, there's no question he could range, he could have uh, incredible range in the outfield so it would be something that the Blue Jays should at least consider moving forward if they want to uh, keep him in the lineup in a pinch. So, um, but for those of you who are unfamiliar with how the posting system works, it's actually fairly easy to understand. And it's a lot more effective than what the, uh, the older outdated post posting system was. So basically, here's how it goes. Once a player gets posted, like I said earlier, they have 30 days to negotiate a contract with as many teams as they want. But once they agree to that deal, 
the team that signs them, so let's say the Blue Jays in this case, has to pay the team he played for a release fee. So for example, if the Blue Jays were to sign Kim to a four-year, $40 million deal, they would be forced to pay the Heroes an approximately $7.6 million release fee. Now, how did I get to that figure? Well, here, I'll show my work to all of you. So, per the rules of Major League Baseball, any team that signs an international free agent through the posting system has to pay the organization that he played for 20% of the first $25 million of his contract. After that, they also have to pay 17.5% of the next $25 million of his deal. And then if there's any amount remaining, the Blue Jays would have to pay 15% of that amount. So for someone who signs for $40 million, it's not a large release fee. But for someone who signs, say, a $100 million deal, the team he played for is going to get a nice lump sum in return, which is why a lot of teams in the KBO and in the Japan League have been open to posting players because it works in their benefit. Um, but with Kim, considering he's 25 years old, I don't see him getting a $100 million deal. I could see him getting a five-year $50 million deal. But considering before this season, he would probably be in the minor leagues if he were to come over to North America. I don't see somebody paying him 15 to $20 million a season. Maybe close to 15. But uh, considering uh, any team that signs him in the major leagues has to also pay that release fee. I don't necessarily think that they'd want to pay Kim, you know, upwards of $15 million plus a release fee on top of that. Even though it seems as though there's a good chance Kim's uh, production will be able to carry over to the major leagues. He probably won't hit 30 home runs, but... There's a really strong chance his discipline is able to transfer over. And there's no question his speed factor will easily be the, uh, the biggest trait of his game that will transfer over to the major leagues. The only thing I am, I'm a little skeptical about is, again, his power metrics transferring over. I think if he could hover around a 180 ISO and hit... 20 or so home runs and maintain his strong on-base metrics, it'd be a very, very productive hitter. Along with having above-average defense, he'd be a solid 3-4, maybe even a 5-war player. And considering, again, he's only 25 years old, you have the prime, you will have the prime years of his career adding on to that. So if you can get him below 15 million, and get three, four, or five war years out of him, that's a very uh, team-friendly deal. But there could be a strong market for him. 
because any team that has interest in DJ, DJ LeMayhew, which the Blue Jays do, they're probably going to have some strong interest in Kim if they miss out on him. And even though DJ LeMayhew is about $25 million apart in a deal with the Yankees, I don't see him leaving New York. So for a team like Toronto, I would think even though they really like Colton Wong, I think Kim has to be like their 2B option if you're considering Wong to be their, their 2A. Um, personally though, I would much rather sign Kim than Colton Wong. I think offensively, Kim would be able to impact the Blue Jays far more than what Wong would be able to do. Plus, Hassan Kim is much younger than Colton Wong. So I think long-term, he'd also be able to have a much larger impact as well. Now, moving on to the other top international free agent out there, not from the KBO, but Tomiyoki Sagano. I hope that I hope I pronounced his first name correctly, or if not close to that. Um, he's considered one of the top free agents out there. And maybe you could make an argument that he's arguably the second best pitcher on the free agent market. And considering there's a lot of people out there that aren't too fond of Trevor Bauer, those same people would probably rather sign Sugano than Trevor Bauer. And here's why. For years, Sugano was considered the best pitcher or even the best player in Japan. Now, he spent the majority of his career with the uh, Giants. He's coming over in the later stage of his career, but he's coming off one of the best statistical performances of his career. So even though he'll be turning 30, or he is 31 years old, he still has a few more good seasons in him, if not at least five. Looking into his stats from this past season, Sugano made 20 starts, performed to a 14-2 record, posted a 197 ERA, which was his lowest since the 2017 campaign. He also had a 276 fifth, a 0.89 whip, a 6.4 hits per nine, a 0.5 home runs per nine, which was tied for his career best, a 24.6% strikeout rate, along with a 4.7% walk rate. And if you want to dig into his resume even further, he also won the Central League MVP award in 2014. And he's also a back-to-back Cy Young Award winner, or at least Japan's version of the Cy Young Award win, uh, Cy Young Award. And if you're looking for a comparison to his 2020 campaign, in 2019, he was hampered by a nagging back injury, but was still able to compile 136 in a third innings, although he didn't perform all too well compared to his performance in 2020 as he generated a 3.89 ERA, a 413 FIP, 
a 125 whip, a 9.1 hits per nine, a 1.3 home runs per nine, a 20.8% strikeout rate, and a 5.6% walk rate. So as you can see, that, big, that back injury impacted him significantly because he wasn't able to get strikeouts as often as he did this past season. He walked a little bit more than what he did in 2020, and he had a harder time of keeping, of keeping the ball in the yard as well. So hopefully that, uh, that injury does not come back to bite him later in his career, especially since he's crossed over the, 30, the age 30 threshold. But considering Sugano has been able to stay relatively healthy throughout his career, I'm not all that worried that uh, injuries could become a, a factor for him in this uh, second half of his career. And also, if you want to look for a comparison for Sugano, you could look to Tanaka because similar to Tanaka, Sugano, Sugano features a very deep repertoire. He features two different fastballs, a four-seamer and a two-seamer, both average in the low 90s, but he is able to max out at 95 miles per hour with his four-seamer. In addition, he also features a 12 to 6 low 80s curveball, a mid-80s slider, and he also occasionally mixes in a mid-80s cutter and a splitter. But in particular during two strike counts, he likes to use his two-seamer and both of his breaking balls. And if you actually want to see some video of him in action from this past season. There's actually a video on YouTube of him facing off against Adam Jones. And I'll post the link in, uh, in the description of this uh, episode. But basically, Sugano's slider is nasty. It has a very tight spin to it. And it's not even his best strikeout weapon because his, uh, his two-seam fastball, specifically against right-handed hitters, likes to cut inside basically towards their shins, and it has late-moving action on it. It's disgusting. So that's how he's able to create a lot of strikeouts with that. And his 12-6 curveball also creates a lot of whiffs as well and gets, ch gets hitters to chase out of the strike zone. So considering in the major leagues, Hitters have a tendency or have had a tendency over the last three or four seasons to strike out a lot more. Sugano could use that to his advantage, specifically with his two-seamer curveball and slider. And hopefully that would allow him to potentially even increase his strikeout rate from this past season, maybe even up to like 30%. But again, because he's 31 years old, he's not going to get a long-term deal. That's just not going to happen. But there's no question he could land a three or four year deal. And considering the Blue Jays need help in the rotation, they need a front of the line starter, Sugano could definitely fit that mold. And even though he hasn't had any experience over in the major leagues, he has faced hitters from North America before because he did perform extremely well in the World Baseball Classic, I think in, in 2017, 
absolutely dominated against Team USA. So there is some prior history to him having success against Major League hitters. So while I'm a little cautious opposed to Kim's game transferring over to the Major Leagues, I have a really, really good feeling that Sugano would be able to make an instant impact in his first season. And if you pair him with someone like Ryu, who's also from Asia, I think they'd be able to have a very good relationship with each other. Now, if you really want to think hard about this, who's going to be catching Sugano? Probably Danny Jansen. So that means Danny Jansen has got to be at least somewhat uh, bilingual because even though the Blue Jays would have a translator on the team, there's no doubt it benefits Jansen for at least knowing some Korean. It would definitely benefit, benefit him from knowing some Japanese if, if the Blue Jays do sign Sugano. So it's just something to think about. Even though, uh, even though the Blue Jays would have a full staff of, of translators if they needed to, it would definitely be something to, to keep an eye on if, uh, if, they were, if this were to play out, if Sagana were to join the Blue Jays. But um, I think without question, Sugano should be a, a, a target for the Blue Jays because paired with Ryu, along with Pearson, and whoever else fills out the rest of the Blue Jays rotation, whether it's Kay, Thornton, Roark, Ross Stripling, Robbie Ray, maybe they sign another back of the end rotation or back of the end starter before free agency uh, concludes. I think Sugano at the front of a front of the rotation probably is the number two behind Ryu. I think the Blue Jays would have a very, very strong rotation moving forward. And uh, especially a rotation that can create a good amount of strikeouts, ground balls, and guys who actually can uh, go out there and provide length. Because along with Ryu, Sugano has a history of throwing 200 innings, or at least close to them, because in 2015, he recorded 179 innings. In 2016, 183 and a third. In, uh, in 2018, he had 202 innings. In 2019, because of the injury, he was limited to 136. And this past season, he was limited to 137 and a third because of the shortened season. But that could also work to his advantage because that means over the past two seasons, he hasn't, been able, he hasn't been forced to throw deep into the year and have a lot of work put on his arm. So that means he could be asked to throw 200 innings in 2021. And because he hasn't been uh, exposed to a heavy workload in each of the last two seasons, he should be able to achieve that goal without sustaining any type of serious injuries. Now, that's not to say he won't experience some rough points, as we saw with 
Yamaguchi this past season. That being said, who, by the way, their former teammates, Yamaguchi and Sugano. Um, Sugano is a much better quality pitcher than Yamaguchi. And considering he's been pitching at a high level since 23, Sugano is not, or would not be, uh, uh, would not shy away from the big moment. So if you're thinking that he may not be able to perform in the playoffs, at least perform effectively in the playoffs, because he hasn't been exposed to that type of uh, environment. It's not entirely true. Also because he's been to the playoffs multiple times in Japan. So even though the quality of play isn't as high as the major leagues, you know, uh, a lot of experts consider the Japan League to be, you know, around AAA or a little bit higher than that. But still, there's no doubting his talent level and his capability on the mound. So I think without question, he'd be able to help the Blue Jays next season. And I think he would fit perfectly alongside Ryu at the front of the rotation. Now, moving on to the final free agent that the Blue Jays have been linked to, or international free agent that the Blue Jays have been linked to, is Sungbung Na. Now, unlike Kim and Sugano, there's not exactly a clear need for somebody like Na. Because while Kim is a versatile infielder, and Sugano is a front-of-the-line starter, Songbung Na is a veteran left-handed hitter who has played below average in right field and really profiles as a first baseman DH kind of hitter. Now, involving the Blue Jays, who do we know that already fits that similar type of profile? Rowdy Telez, also Vladdy Guerrero Jr. if he returns to first base next season, which there's a good chance that could happen. So unless the Blue Jays are looking to move somebody like Rowdy Telez, I don't think that the Blue Jays would be interested in signing Sungbung Na. That being said, he did meet with Ryu and had dinner with him while he was over in Korea having dinner with with Kim. So again, there's no question that the two probably talked about the Blue Jays, at least, you know, initially about the, the organization, stuff like that. But unless the Blue Jays are going to look to trade to Les for somebody like, mm, I don't know, Lindor, which could happen. I probably don't see not coming to the Blue Jays. That being said, he would be a serious power threat with the Blue Jays. Now, I know they already have that in Rowdy Telez, but just looking at his numbers from this past season with the NC Dinos of the KBO, which, by the way, my favorite team from the KBO, he produced 34 home runs, 112 RPIs, 
a 272 ISO, a 395 BAP, a 432 weighted on base average, a 155 weighted runs created plus score, posted an 8.4% walk rate, a 25.3% strikeout rate, a slashing line of 324, 390, 596, and 987 over his 584 plate appearances. But like I said, he produced below average defense in right field. Actually didn't even really spend all that much time in right field this past season, just 379 innings in right field. Spent a lot more of his time in the DH spot. But there's no doubting his power. And now would already be in the major leagues if not for a season-ending injury that he sustained in 2019 while sliding into third base. It was a horrific injury. He broke his leg. It was uh, pretty disgusting. If you go and, and watch the video on YouTube, I think you can actually see the bones sticking out of his leg. Disgusting, horrific injury. And, uh, and completely uh, ended his, his hopes of being posted last winter. So coming off of that injury, generating some of the best offensive numbers of his entire career in the KBO. I have no doubt Sungbung Na is going to be playing in North America next year. I just don't think that'll be with the Blue Jays just because there's not a immediate need for him. And what will hurt his chances too is if the designated hitter does not return to the National League next year. Now, I know I'm getting a little away from the Blue Jays here, but just looking at his future outlook, just as a baseball fan and somebody who covers the league, also someone who covers the Mets, the Mets could definitely take a look at Nah, but they're kind of full at the DH spot. Still, I think if Major League Baseball were to make an announcement sometime before the end of, you know, December, which we're basically already halfway through, so I don't see this happening. But if some announcement were to come out about the designated hitter spot, even though teams are being told to operate as if there's no DH in the NL next year, which is stupid, I don't think that'll happen. But still, there's no question that hurts his market. But again, he will be signed. He will be coming over to Major League Baseball next year. And He's going to hit a ton of home runs from the left side of the plate. I have no doubt in my mind. Is he going to hit 34? Probably not. But I don't think there's, I don't think he'll have any issue generating a ton of doubles, maybe 25 plus home runs, and probably being a a plus hitter, plus run producer. So probably around 130, 140 weighted runs created plus score. So we'll see how that translates, but keep an eye on, on Nah moving forward, especially if he, if he has to play against the Blue Jays next year, because he will be a threat in the batter's box. No question about it. So that does it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive into the international free agent market. And hopefully we have some news in the near future. You know, we got Christmas next week, so I will be taking a week off. I'll have a new episode coming out before the new year but 
Until next time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall. And please, please, the numbers are out of control. Wear a mask, wear it properly, and stay safe out there. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening.